Hey, uh, can I tell you a story today? Is that cool? Can I start with a story? I remember, uh, I remember one time in my life, I was a kid. Anybody here ever been a kid before? Raise your hand if you've been a kid before. Okay. That's everybody. That's all of us. So what I'm about to tell you is predicated on the fact that you can relate to this, okay? So don't judge me for the story that I'm about to tell you. But <clears throat> I was a kid once, just like we all were, and I remember this particular day I was playing in the streets, okay? Now, you guys know probably if you've got kids or you've been a kid, like that's not something we're supposed to do. Playing in the street is normally frowned upon. I did have good parents. They did love me. But on this day, I was playing in the street somehow, okay? And I'm out there. And so when I was in the street, I saw a manhole cover. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? That there's like a, like the Ninja Turtles when they crawl up out of the sewer and there's like those metal Frisbees or whatever. So I saw one of those manhole covers. And on that manhole cover, there was, uh, there was some little holes in the top of it. Okay? I don't know if anybody can sort of picture that in your mind's eye. And there were some holes in the manhole cover. And, and as a kid, to my, my, uh, my scientific mind, when I looked at that, those holes looked to be about the approximate diameter of my index finger. Okay? And so for me, as a scientist, I just felt like this was a moment when I had to, I had to conduct this experiment, okay? Like, it was a divine appointment. I was there. This hole in this manhole cover was there. And I had to know if my finger would fit in that hole, all right? And again, don't judge me. You've all been kids. You know the process that's happening in my mind here. And so I see that hole, and so I, just, I decide, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conduct an experiment, and I'm going to figure that out, okay? So what do I do? I, I, I put my finger into the manhole cover, all right? And... And that was my first mistake. Okay, you guys know, right? Like, what's where this, where this story is, is probably leading. I, I, I stuck my finger in the hole. My second mistake was that, you know what? I wasn't content just to sort of stick the end of my finger in, in there and, like, just ex experiment a little bit. Like, I shoved that bad boy in all the way to the third knuckle, all right? Like, just, just all the way in there. And, and in that moment, I immediately regretted all of my poor life choices, okay? Especially the most recent one. And... Uh, and I'm sitting there and my finger gets stuck. I go to pull my hand back and I can't and I'm trapped as a kid. And for the first time in my short little life, I had the fleeting thought cross my mind that this is it. This, this is where it all ends for Andy right here with my finger stuck in a manhole cover in the middle of the street, like not very responsible. And I started thinking things like, man, that, that bowl of Cheerios that I had for breakfast before I walked out the door this morning, that, that was my last meal. And that sucks, because it was Cheerios. Like, why couldn't it have been something like blueberry waffles and bacon or something? Why did it have to be Cheerios? Like, I've kissed my mother goodbye for the last time. All the things that you start to think. And that took about 10 seconds, that thought process, right? And then after the most terrifying 10 seconds of my life, I just resolved, like, I was ready to go 127 hours on this finger, okay? <clears throat> you guys seen that movie, 127 Hours with James Franco? Look it up, it's sickening, okay? But I just decided, listen, I got nine perfectly good fingers. I'm not gonna die for this one, okay? I don't need it. And so I was willing to do whatever it took in that moment out of terror. But luckily, thanks be to God, I gave it one big giant final tug and I was able to wrench it free and I, I learned an incredible life lesson. And more importantly, that you know, after years of intense therapy, I can stand before you today and say, I made it, and I'm intact. I did not die on that street that day, and uh, I'm excited to be here to be able to share with you. But I know that maybe there's a slight chance that I'm the only person in the room that's had my finger stuck in a manhole cover, right? I, I, I don't know for sure, and if you have, I'm no one to judge, but I'm betting I may be the only one who's experienced that particular level of insanity. But here's what I do know, Okay is that every one of us in this room, every single one of us can relate to the feeling of being stuck, can't we? Like, 
Perhaps it's physically stuck like I was, but I think even more metaphysically that there's, there's all of us can have those moments and those seasons in our life where we just feel like, like we're stuck. We just feel like we stalled out, like we were driving the car and everything was working great and all of a sudden the engine stalled and we've coasted off onto the shoulder of the road and, and come to a stop. And it's almost as if life has just come to a halt. And, and it's so different for all of us. Maybe it was a circumstance that you found yourself in that you had no control over whatsoever but yet you feel like it's got you stuck. Maybe it was a mistake that you made, but you feel like it's got you stuck. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your husband or with your wife. Maybe it's, maybe it's at work. Maybe it's financially, but I think we can all relate to that feeling of, of being stuck. And when we're stuck, when we feel like we've stalled out, when we feel like we're not progressing and we're not moving forward, and then we, we can almost see what we want, and we can see it's right there, but we just can't seem to get to that next level. When we're stuck, like what we, what we want is breakthrough, right? That's what we desire. Those are the kind of prayers that we pray. Like if we're church-going people, we're saying, like, God, I, I need a breakthrough financially. God, if you could just show up and do a, do a financial miracle in my life, like that would change the game for me. God, like, I need, I, need a, I need a breakthrough at work. There's, like, this glass ceiling, and I've hit it, and I don't know why, and I can't figure out how to get around it, but, God, I just need you to help me at work. Like, if I could get a little bit of breakthrough, that would change everything. A little bit of breakthrough in my marriage. If I could just get through to my husband. If I could just get through to my wife. If I could just get through to my grown kids. Like, if I could take back what I said or that little mistake that I made at work that changed everything. If I could just get a little bit of breakthrough, everything would be different. And I think that we all know what it feels like to be stuck. Maybe you feel stuck right now. Maybe you've been stuck in the past. Maybe it's coming for you in another season. But when we're stuck, we desire breakthrough, right? And I think, I know that this passage in Mark that we already read together today here in Mark chapter 2 holds some incredible truths and some incredible keys that when we feel stuck, when we feel stalled out, when we feel a little stagnant in our life, there's some amazing truths in this story that I think that God wants to use to help us break through in our lives. So is anybody ready for a little breakthrough today? Anybody? Breakthrough's coming. Listen, it's coming. Question is, are you ready? Okay, you want to get unstuck? Ready to do it? Two people. All right, good. Awesome. Everybody else is doing amazing. I'm ready. I need it in my life. So listen, God wants to do something amazing for all of us today. And here's what Mark loves to paint the picture for us of this with Jesus and his gospel and in all of the gospels, but I think particularly in Mark, that when you follow the life and the trajectory of Jesus and the relationships that he had, something that Mark's relationship with Jesus is breakthrough. That constantly when there was people that had a relationship with Jesus, walked with Jesus, met Jesus, knew Jesus, experienced Jesus, that constantly breakthroughs were happening, obstacles were being shattered, like glass ceilings were just being annihilated, like Jesus excelled at helping people overcome obstacles and barriers in their life. Jesus excelled at helping people to get to that next level or that next playing field that they could see and that they desired, but they couldn't quite figure out how to get there themselves. Started with the disciples, right? If you're familiar with this, the story, these, these guys that likely had given up hope that they were ever going to be significant, likely had given up hope that they were ever going to be able to make a significant difference in the world, and Jesus shows up and just with simple words, he says, come and follow me, and it changed everything. 
Changed everything for them. They leveled up. He called them to action. They went from insignificance to, to, to massive significance. Like in the moment, they were just anointed with this incredible level of authority. Like obstacles and barriers in their life that they never would have dreamed they would be able to overcome were shattered in a moment in the name of Jesus. And he didn't just do it for the disciples. Like if you read through the rest of the stories, he did it for, he did it for his cynics. He did it for the haters. He did it for, he did it for murderers. He did it for sick people. He did it for men. He did it for women. He did it for prostitutes. Like He did it for everybody. Everywhere Jesus went, breakthroughs seemed to follow. Anybody who engaged with Jesus would experience and would find that breakthrough that they so desperately desired and so desperately needed in their life. The heart of the Father, church, is to love on his kids. You are a child of the heavenly king, and he wants to love on you. He wants you to experience breakthrough in your life. He wants to do a miracle for you. And the men in our story that we read about there, the beginning of Mark chapter 2, like they understood that Jesus had what they needed. And they understood that the breakthrough that they so desperately desired in their life could only be found at the feet of Jesus. And they were willing to do whatever it took to get there. You know what I'm saying? So check this out one more time. Go back to verse 1 there of chapter 2 if you're following along. I, I just love this picture that Mark paints for us. First verse says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home, and soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. Pause there for just a moment, okay? This, again, this is, if, if you've been around church long, you've probably heard a million sermons or Sunday school lessons on this story. It's a pretty popular one. But I always used to read this story, and I used to think that this is a moment where Jesus has intentionally set up shop to start preaching a Sermon on the Mount, like a Sermon on the Mount 2.0, if you will. And this was a moment where Jesus had intentionally stopped to preach a sermon. But as I, as I read this and really pay attention, like Mark is making it pretty clear that Jesus, he's just kind of in town for the long weekend. You know what I'm saying? And he showed up and he said, hey guys, he threw it out on Facebook, like, hey, I'm coming into town tomorrow and I need a place to stay. And somebody volunteered, as most of us would, right? If Jesus was coming to St. John tomorrow and we somehow found out that he didn't have a place to stay, a lot of us, even if we don't really believe in Jesus, would say, hey, you can stay at my house. We'll talk. We'll talk about life and the universe and everything. And maybe I'll learn some stuff. Like, you can have my bed, Jesus. I'll sleep on the couch. You know, so that's what happened. He shows up. He's in town. He's staying with somebody, with some friends. We don't really know who they are. But then word gets out that he's there, right? Someone finds out that Jesus is staying over on 4th and Broadway. He just showed up on the red eye like last night. And like, what, what, why don't we go over and see what he has to say? And so people just start showing up at this house. Don't we hate it when people show up at our house uninvited? Like the worst, isn't it? Maybe you like it, I don't know. But like that's, that's just the, for this homeowner, someone starts showing up and the first two people show up and then the next crowd shows up and pretty soon there are so many people packed into this poor person's house that you can't even like, you can't even move. Just imagine being in your house like this and you can't, like so many people that you can't even like begin to fit in through the front door. And then it says like even outside, they can't even get close to the outside of the door. Like the whole front porch is filled up too. People are sticking their heads in the windows and climbing in the windows. Like they're in the flower beds, you know, trampling on this guy's prized begonias. Like this is a, this is a mess. And for this, this poor homeowner, like we never get to hear anything about him, but like this is, I just say all this to say it's a chaotic scene. 
Sometimes we read these stories in the Bible and we just sort of glaze over it, like put yourself in the context. Like this is a wild scene where Jesus is staying with someone and people just begin to mob him and to mob this house. And it's like this insane takeover. And so Jesus just naturally does what Jesus does and he busts into sermon mode, right? He's like, listen, I've got a captive audience, so I'm a preach, right? And he just starts preaching and you know he's crushing it because there's a massive crowd and they obviously want to be there. And all preachers know it's way easier to preach when the crowd actually wants to be there, okay? So pro tip, be nice to your preachers and they'll be nice to you, okay? That's done. We'll go home. That's it. That's all you need to know. I'm just kidding. But Jesus is just preaching and he's crushing it and it's doing, it's going amazing. And look what happens next, okay? This massive crowd, just so tightly packed, all inside and all around this house everywhere. And it says that while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole in the roof, right? I love how Mark just just says it. He just like, Mark doesn't waste words. He just gets it out there. So yeah, they dug a hole in the roof as they do, right? Pulled out their chainsaw and like sawed a giant hole through the roof right above his head. Imagine the dust and every like what, (laughs) that's just been ridiculous. And so they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And I mean, this poor homeowner, his appraised value is just in the toilet now, okay? Like his flowers are gone. Like his roof has a giant hole in it. And they just basically drop this paralyzed man right at the feet of Jesus. Mission success, right? We did it. We got him to Jesus, even through this crazy crowd of people. And then in verse 5, the amazing happens. Seeing their faith, seeing the faith of the paralyzed man and the four guys on the roof sticking their head through the hole. Like Jesus sees that and he says to the paralyzed man in front of him, my child, your sins are forgiven. An amazing moment, right? This guy gets to the feet of Jesus and he receives the salvation that he so desperately needs. But that's not why those guys carried him there. You know what I'm saying? Like those boys wanted their friend to walk. You know they're up on the roof going, listen, I ain't carrying him back. Like if he, he needs to walk right now because you guys can do it. But I got to think like my back still hurts. I need a Robaxa set or something from carrying this guy halfway across town. Like he needs to stand up and walk. Like I, I can see them like sticking their, they're all, they're up on the roof and they're like sticking their heads in the hole, like looking down and there's like a kind of a natural spotlight being formed to the sunlight and it's shining down on Jesus in the sky. And Jesus says, hey, my child, your sins are forgiven. And it's beautiful, but you know there's that one guy that leans over and he's like, is that it? Is that all we get? Like we came, we came this far and his sins get forgiven? That's amazing. What about his legs, Jesus? Like he needs to, he needs to walk. But we know how the story ends, right? Because we already read it. In verse 6, there's the teachers of the religious law who were there and they start to criticize. What is he saying? It's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sin. And Jesus knows what they're thinking and he asks them, listen, why are you questioning this in your hearts? I've already told you guys who I am. Like, is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or is it easier for me to say pick up your mat and go home, start walking? So I'm gonna prove it to you right now. And so he looks at the man and he says, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. In verse 12, the man jumps up, grabs his mat and walks out through the stunned onlookers. I kind of think he probably ran or was skipping or jumping or something. And they were all amazed, everybody there, the whole crowd, praise God, exclaiming that we've never seen anything like this before. Mark called them stunned onlookers. Listen, church, if we really want and desire breakthrough in our own lives, like if we really want to get unstuck, if we really want to level up, if we really want to get to that next plane, then we've got to move from stunned onlookers 
And not just be the ones who are standing. Pastor Brent, like, he led us in with this today. Not just standing around and watching and being stunned by what God is doing for somebody else, but get in on the middle of the action for ourselves. Amen? We've got to do it. We've got to be willing to move and to get there. Like, these guys were crazy committed to just getting in there and getting to Jesus, no matter what it took. Even if they had to destroy some poor guy's roof, they were going to do whatever it took to get to Jesus. And there's so much for us that we can learn about breakthrough and how to get unstuck in this passage. I think there's, there's just three key elements in this passage that I want to highlight for us today that I think are really going to help to drive this all home. Are you, are you guys good? Are you tracking with me? Three key points, and then we'll be done, all right? First one, the first thing, the first element I want you to notice is mud, all right? Mud, mats, and moments. That was the title. So the first element I want you to notice is the mud, all right? And this kind of represents the friends. Now, here's what you need to know. In that day, in that age, that culture, that region, their architectural practices lead us to believe that likely that roof was made out of mud and straw. So today, you know, we use shingles and joists and two-by-fours, so we would have needed a chainsaw. But for them, it was like mud and straw kind of slapped over some sticks, and so it would have been dried together and caked together like layer upon layer upon layer of mud and straw sort of would have hardened up like they kind of used the same idea to make bricks early on right and so so that's what they would have used to to craft the roofs of these homes so for these boys who carried this guy on this mat all the way across town and then up on top of this roof they had to literally dig through mud and through dirt and through grime and dust and debris as they're tearing through this roof layer after layer to get this man to Jesus and why did they do that why were they willing to get their hands dirty why were they going to such great lengths because they had a firm belief that Jesus Jesus had what their friend needed. And they weren't afraid of a little hard work. They weren't afraid of having to hustle. They weren't afraid to get their hands dirty because they knew what was on the other side. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? Like there's sometimes there's mud in our lives. Like we get stuck in the mud sometimes, right? The mud represents obstacles and barriers. It's those glass ceilings. It's those moments where we say, I don't know where to, how to move on from here. I don't know how to progress in this relationship. I don't know how to progress in my work. I don't know how to forgive this person for what they've done to me. Like the obstacles and the barriers that are in our life that we're not sure that we can overcome. And sometimes we're standing around the outside of the house and we're just waiting for the crowd to thin so that we can get inside and Jesus is waiting for us to tear the roof off the thing. He's waiting for us to climb in the window. He's waiting for us to roll up our sleeves and get to work and have a little hustle and respect the game and say, listen, Jesus, I'm gonna do whatever it takes because I believe that breakthrough is coming. But I'm not gonna stand here and sit and wait for it to fall in my lap. I'm not gonna stand around God and wait like for you to do something and for you to like you to do all like I'm just gonna I'm gonna meet you, I'm gonna believe you for your promise, and I'm gonna roll up my sleeves and I'm gonna go after it no matter what it takes. They weren't afraid of a little hard work, they weren't afraid of having to do a little bit of hustling. They carry this guy, I don't know how far they carried him. I don't know, I don't know where they were from where Jesus was, but I I I think like carrying him like ten feet was too far. You know what I'm saying? Like trying to carry like somebody, just picture that. Again, just let the realism of this, this story like rest on you a little bit. Like four guys trying to carry another guy on a rug or a mat or something, right? Like that's, that's no fun. That's not, that's not easy. And so they carried this guy, I don't know, halfway across town, like through these streets that were just packed with people. And then they get there and it's a sold out show. They're too late, right? So many people, they can't get in. Like most people would go, well, we'll... We'll, like, sorry, Jeff, like, we'll try again tomorrow, right? 
But these guys are like, no, 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 like we came to see Jesus and we're going to do whatever it takes. So they get together and they start making a plan. And they're like, you know what, there's a staircase right there. We can get up on the roof and I bet we can tear through that. Thing. And he's like, they start formulating, they're MacGyvers, right? They're going to do whatever it takes. They're not afraid to be creative in how they get to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes I think we need a little bit of that in our life as well. These guys were going to carry this, this guy up on the roof and lower him down through. You've you got to believe that the guy on the mat, we'll call him Jeff, like, we're going to believe that Jeff had some very justifiable reservations about how this was got to go down, don't we? Like, you think about, like, all the work it was for them to carry him, but if you're the guy on the mat, and they're like, all right, listen, like, we can't get you into the door, so there's a really steep staircase with no safety railing on the side of the house, so we're going we're gonna to try somehow with no ropes or, like, no modern machinery to get you up on this roof, and then the real fun begins, is we're going to figure out how we can lower you down right on top of Jesus. Like, I... I picture, I picture like, you know, uh, I've seen those, I can't get this out of my head when I read this story, those, those videos of like, when they put those whales and those big like harnesses and the cranes and they lift them out of the aquarium and they over and like lower them down in the ocean and set them free. Like that's the kind of operation that I think that I'm picturing here, but they didn't have cranes. I don't even think they had pulleys yet. Like, I don't know how these guys did this or managed it, but it was hard work. It was incredibly hard work and they weren't afraid of it. Sometimes we're standing outside the house believing that our miracle is right there, knowing that Jesus has something great for us, but we're just standing back waiting for the crowd to thin and waiting our turn and being really polite about it. And Jesus is saying, I just want you to tear the roof off and get in here. I want you to climb in the windows. I want you to do whatever it takes. I want you to hustle right now in this moment because here's the thing. The best choice in our life isn't always the obvious choice. And sometimes when we hit those obstacles and barriers, sometimes when we get stuck and we get mired down in the mud in our lives, like we just sort of give up and throw up our hands and say, I'll just wait for somebody to come and somebody to rescue me. And for me and my, my human thinking, I think the most logical way for me to get from point A where I am to point B where I know I want to be is to travel in a straight line. But then what happens when I get stuck in the mud? What happens when a wall goes up? What happens when there's an unexpected turn in the road or a flat tire that I never saw coming? Like that can shatter my hopes and my dreams. That can cause me to begin to lose hope, right? But in those moments, I think that God knows that sometimes the plan is revealed in the preparation and it takes a little bit of perspiration to get there. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes God wants us to be willing to work and to roll up our sleeves and start to dig through the mud and dirt, clear off the mud and the dirt in our lives so that when we get to where we want to be, we're ready. Like around that next turn that we're just so desperately trying to get to, God knows you won't be ready for what I have for you around that turn until you're found faithful with where you're at right now. Until you're willing to learn the lesson that this takes some hard work and some hustle and some faith and be willing to roll up our sleeves and to dig through the mud and clean off the mud in our lives. And God meets us there in that moment. Sometimes we think oh, he's on the other side. There's an amazing work he wants to do exactly where we're at right now. Sometimes the interruption is an invitation to inspiration. Like sometimes those unexpected turns and those, that mud in our lives and those obstacles and barriers that we're not happy with, and we shouldn't be, but sometimes those are an invitation to learn something amazing about the goodness of God. And it's the inspiration we find in those moments that teach us our greatest lessons. So listen, the mud that you're stuck in in your life right now doesn't have to scare you. It shouldn't, care, it shouldn't scare you. It shouldn't cause you to lose hope. It shouldn't cause you to lose heart because God says, no, 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 I love you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you now in this moment, but we're preparing for something greater on the other side. Amen?
Like we're preparing for something amazing. And I know, I can't tell you what it is yet, but you're gonna love it when you get there. But you've gotta do the work now in this moment so you're ready for what I wanna give you on the other side. Sometimes we need to be willing to dig through the mud and get our hands dirty to find the breakthrough in our life. And then the second element I want us to focus on is our mats. And I know that in, in this story, there's only one mat, but I think that all of us have our own mats in our lives. And there's a huge decision that I think, again, so often and so many times for me, it's gone unnoticed when I read through this story in this passage in Mark. There's a massive decision that the paralyzed man makes that, that we miss sometimes is that the paralyzed man made the decision to allow his friends to carry him to Jesus. Like he made the decision to no longer stay on the mat, on his street corner, or the back alley, or his house, like where, wherever he was, he made the decision to allow his friends to carry him to Jesus. That was such a courageous decision when you think about it. You think about, that would have been humiliating to be carried on a mat like through busy streets and you've got people bumping into you and the awkwardness of that and then they get to the house and there's just throngs of people there and everybody else can at least stand up and walk around but you're lying on this mat and these guys are trying to carry you around and then they carry you up on the top of this roof and everybody's watching and looking at you and then they dump you in through the roof. Like, like that took some amazing courage and humility on this man's part to no longer settle for the mat because he could have. He could have chosen to say, you know what? That sounds like a lot. You know what? Like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can get to that place in my life yet. He could have chosen to stay on the mat. Wasn't that he liked the mat. Wasn't that he liked what it represented in his life, but it was familiar. He'd probably been on the mat his entire life. So sometimes when we exist with something for so long, it becomes, we don't like it, but it's become safe and it's become comfortable. He had the courage to say, no, no, I'm not settling for my mat any longer. Listen, the mats in our lives represents our failures. They represent our shortcomings. They represent things that have been done to us. They represent our hurts. They represent everything about ourselves that, that we hate. But sometimes when we're given the choice and God invites us to something greater, he says, man, I've got something better for you than that. There's something for some reason inside of us, some, 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 some desperate attempt to cling to security in us that will, that will hold on to those masks. We don't even like them. And we know they're not healthy. But sometimes when we exist with something for so long, we forget how to exist without it. And in this moment, this man made the courageous decision to choose something greater than his mat. And you know what's amazing about the story that I, I just, I love so much because he gets to Jesus and he gets the salvation that he needed. Like Jesus gave him, Jesus first gave him what he needed, not what he wanted, right? He said, your sins are forgiven. And then he also got the healing that he really desired. But Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And so the blind man jumps up and he picks up his mat and he goes home. And I love that because it wasn't that the mat no longer existed for the blind man, but it no longer defined him. You know what I'm saying? And for us in our lives, listen, I'm not trying to sugarcoat whatever the mat represents in your life. I'm not trying to downplay whatever your mat is. It's real and it happened and it's something that you've carried and it's something that exists in your life. And I'm not saying it's not there. I'm just saying there's a God that's greater that wants to define who you are and he doesn't want you to know any longer to define yourself by that mat in your life. 
And he's inviting us to ditch the mat. He's inviting us to let go. He's inviting us to move into something greater. It's an amazing promise. He's like, listen, the breakthrough is coming. I've promised you that. I've spoken that over your life, but I want you to leave the mat behind. I want you to let go of the mat. I don't want you to define yourself by that any longer because that's not who you are. That's not who I made you to be. That's not what I've spoken over your life. That's not a part of the plan any longer. We can use it. We can turn it around and we'll make something great out of it, but you're not defined by that anymore. And the blind man made an amazing decision. I think a really, really, really courageous decision that I've missed before that he said, I'm going to ditch the mat. I think it's time for us as a church and as people, like it's, it's time for us to stop returning to the very thing that's blocking us up and keeping us stuck in the mud and keeping us from the breakthrough that we want. There's a, there's a really, uh, it's, it's just a disgusting verse in the Bible, really, is all it is. And I'm not even going to put it on the screen because it's too gross. But I'll tell you, Proverbs 26, 11 says, As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. And it's gross, but it's incredibly true because sometimes we keep returning to the very thing that's crushing our soul just because it's familiar, just because we've forgotten how to live without it. And Jesus says, listen, fight through the mud, dust it off, don't settle for anything less, overcome the barriers, don't wait for me to come to you, like let's meet it in the middle and let go of your mat because I've got a moment for you. And that's the last thing I want you to see in this passage. And if the mud kind of represents the friends in the story, and if the mat represents the paralyzed man, then I think that the moments kind of represents the crowd that's, that's in the story. Because, again, I think one of, the, one of the harshest parts of this story, when you really stop and think about it, is like the amazing things that happen in these five men's lives that day. But, but the crowd, the crowd that was so thick that they couldn't get in, those people were there first. They got up early to come see Jesus. There was something in their hearts and in their lives that drew them to Jesus that day. There was something in them that just desired their own breakthrough. There's something in them that desired, you know, to them to overcome whatever they were dealing with in their life. Like they had a need for Jesus too. And they got up, they got up early. Like they, they were first in line. They bought their tickets on StubHub way ahead of time. They lined up a babysitter for the kids. They made sure the camel was gassed up, like the, the whole thing. They were prepared and they were ready and they showed up early and they were there first. And I know for a fact that when these other guys showed up and it was so full that they couldn't get to Jesus and they said, listen, we're not taking no for an answer and they made a way and they got to Jesus. I know for a fact that there were people in that crowd that were upset and were ticked off why? Because it's not fair. We were here first. We were in line first. These guys aren't respecting the system. They're not playing by, they're not playing by the rules. Like they're being selfish. They're just, they're moving ahead of everybody else. Like I was first in line. And here's a truth for us in church is that just because you got here first doesn't mean you get the biggest blessing. That in the, in the heavenly economy and in the world and the way things work with Jesus, it's totally different for us because for us, tenure matters, right? And when it comes to Jesus, like your tenure doesn't qualify you for the promotion. That's not the way that he operates. And so what that means is just because you've been coming to church for 50 years doesn't mean you're more qualified for an amazing blessing and a working of God in your life than the guy who just showed up today for the first time in his life. That doesn't matter who you are. I don't, you've been here for 60 years. You showed up for the first time. This is maybe the first time you've ever been in church in your life that God has a moment for you that he wants to do something amazing and an incredible work in your life that only he can do. 
He wants to give you the breakthrough that you desire. He wants to show up in your life. He wants to move. He wants to make a way when there seems to be no other way. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Like it only matters that we get to the feet of Jesus. It only matters that we believe in Jesus. It only matters that we believe with all of our heart that we're desperate. Like breakthrough comes through desperation. I think we need a little more desperate hunger for more of Jesus in our life. Like we need to move beyond being the stunned onlookers. Like there's something that's great. Like we should come to church and we should raise our hands and worship and praise and hear a story about what God's done in somebody else's life. And we celebrate that together. That's what it means to be the church. But I don't ever want to be just a stunned onlooker. Like I want my moment too. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes as humans, like we, they, we hesitate to even say things or go after things like that because it sounds selfish, right? Like I want my moment. But listen, when it comes to Jesus, there's plenty of him to go around, right? Like it doesn't matter how much I take of Jesus for myself, it only creates more for you. Like the more that each of us takes and access Jesus in our life and goes after it and goes after personal breakthrough, it actually benefits all of us. So there's no need for us to come to church and stand around and spectate and only watch what he's doing in somebody else's life and raise our hands and worship. And that's great and we support them. But listen, God wants you to have your moment. And the people in the crowd missed that that day. The only thing that separated the five guys that got to Jesus and the rest of that crowd is that they were willing to cut in line. They were willing to do whatever it took. They were willing to bypass like, like rules and what, the, what normal humanity thinks and how they operate. Like they were willing to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. And I wonder for us, like if we got that desperate, if we got that hungry for more of Jesus in our life and we wanted to see him move and we wanted to allow him to break through, like if we were that hungry and we were that desperate, I wonder what blessings and favor would lie on the other side for us. Like, I wonder what God would want to pour out in our life if we were willing just to say, you know what, God, I'm going after my moment. I'm done spectating. I'm done just watching and praising you for what you've done in somebody else's life. Like, I want to see you move in my life. I've seen you do it for others, God, and I know you want to do it for me, and I believe that, so I'm going after it. Maybe for the first time in my life, I'm going to roll up my sleeves, and I'm going to start fighting through this mud. Like, I'm going to stop feeling sorry for myself. I'm going to stop worrying about what I can't change, God, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to start going after you and pursuing you unapologetically. I'm going, to, I'm going to praise. That's how we fight our battles, right? I'm going to praise. Like if I'm stuck in the mud right now, it doesn't matter, God. I will give you praise, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to see you on the other side of this thing. Like these barriers and these obstacles, they're not going to scare me any longer. They're not going to cause me to lose heart any longer because I believe in something greater, and I'm not going to stand here and worship any longer with one hand and in the other hand still be holding on to this muddy, old, nasty mat in my life either. But Jesus, I'm going to raise both hands and worship to you. Like, I'm going to give you everything that I am and believe that in that moment, there's something amazing you want to give me. There's something amazing you want to do for me. And listen, what would our church look like if every single one of us got there? Like, if every single one of us just unapologetically went after our moments with our Savior? And he's got one for you, church. Like, I don't care. Listen, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done to get to this point in your life. I don't care what wall you're fighting against right now. I don't care how deep the mud is you feel like you're stuck in. You're up to your knees, up to your waist, up to your neck. Like, I don't care that God, I know, has something greater for you. And this could be your moment. This could be your moment of breakthrough with Jesus. But it just comes back to that question that we started with, is are we, are we ready? 
Because breakthrough's coming. Breakthrough is coming. We know that. But are we ready when God shows up? Are we ready? Are we going to be found faithful, even in the mud, even in the mess? Are we still going to be holding on to our mat? Are we still going to be clinging to the very things that are breaking us up and blocking us up? Or are we going to say, Jesus, the only thing I want is more of you in my life? And I don't know what that looks like. And that's a little bit scary. And it's okay to admit that. It's the unknown. But I'll tell you what, anytime we step out of faith and we believe Jesus and we trust him, even for the unknown, like the things he wants to do in our lives, church, the things I've seen him do in my own life and the things I've seen him do in the life of our church, but I know that there's more. Like there's so much more, God. Like we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what God wants to do here in our region. We haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what he wants to do in our church. I don't think I've even begun to scratch the surface of what he wants to do in my own life. And I think that if we can get to a place where, man, we're just so desperate for more of Jesus and just unapologetically going after our moments, not just watching anymore, not just being content with the status quo and and doing okay, getting by. But saying, Jesus, I I want my moment with you. Will you stand and pray with me today? Can we pray together? <clears throat> God, we, we love you. Jesus, we really do. And that's not just lip service, God, that we, we mean that, God. We love you. You are our first love. And God, God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for how it's alive, God. And we thank you that it speaks to us in 2019, God, the same way it did when you performed these miracles in somebody else's life, God. So today, God, would we, would we be willing just to go after you, God? If we're stuck in the mud, if we're stuck in the dirt, God, if there's obstacles and barriers in our life that we come up against in the name of Jesus, God, we pray for breakthrough. We pray for healing, God. We pray for provision. We pray for guidance, Father. We pray for wisdom. We pray for understanding. We pray for reconciliation in those moments, God. We proclaim that over your church, God, we proclaim that over our lives. And in the name of Jesus, what was broken would be made whole, God. What was old would be made new. And in your name, Father, that breakthrough would happen for your glory, Jesus, so we could point to you, so we could give you the credit, so we could give you the praise, God, and so that we could say we want more of you, Father, in our lives. God, give us the courage to let go of the mat. God, give us the courage to let go of the thing that is un, that is that's comfortable and it's familiar, that's defined us for so long. God, would you help us to let go? Would you help us to access what you have for us now in this next season, Jesus? And we just, we lift both hands to you, God. We don't hold on to anything else any longer, God. We say we want more of you in our life, God. Would you show up in the moments? God, help us to see that you're in every moment, every moment of our life. Even in the mud right now, God, that's a moment with you. And Jesus, would you make a way where there is no other way, God? Would you do what only you can do, Father? Would you, would you work in our lives in such a powerful way that everyone around us would see it and marvel at your goodness, God? That they would praise God and say, we've seen amazing things in this person's life. We've seen you do amazing things today, Jesus. We've seen you move. We believe you want to move again, God. We believe you want to move in us individually, personally. God, and we're going after it. We're not apologizing. We're not spectating. We're going to cut in line. We're going to do whatever it takes to get to your feet, Jesus. And would you meet us there? And would you make us more like you, God? Would you transform us? God, would you just make us powerhouses for you, Jesus? Would you anoint 
Would you anoint the brothers and sisters in this room right now and watching online, God, that are willing to put in this work, that are willing to go after you in a way that they never have before, God? Would you do something mighty in their life? God, would you turn this region upside down? God, would you do a new work? Would you breathe fresh revival over us, Father? In the name of Jesus, it's what we desire and it's what we pray, God. We love you. Amen. Amen.